You're listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Chris and Jana are parents of three, life and business partners who share their personal development techniques so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 33. As you can hear, I got a bit of an extended man cold that turned into a sinus infection and an ear infection, and John is sick too, but we all know the man cold is much more intense than anything the women get out there. So I wanted to be sure everyone knew my symptoms. <laughs> Just kidding. She is She's very, very sick. Um, it's been rough the past seven to 10 days. It's just something we can't kick. Uh, But the good news is we already had the episode recorded before. So our sick voices are void in this episode. And it was was a great one. Uh, The episode today is with Bridget Borsico. And Bridget is a licensed therapist in Massachusetts with over 12 years in the field. She specializes in relationship issues, life transitions, and anxiety and stress. Guys, this episode was awesome. She dropped so many knowledge bombs, so many golden nuggets that I know you'll be able to implement into your life. So without further ado, enjoy episode number 33 with Bridget Borsico. Bridget Borsico, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh man, I pronounced her name right. You I did. Was, <laughs> I was worried. So yeah, well, we are we are super happy to have you. Thanks. Yes, welcome. So Bridget, as you know, we want to tackle some big topics today. And the first thing I personally want to start with selfishly is talking a little bit about anxiety and all its forms. Um, what we said before actually recording, you said it can we can call it worry or anxiety. It has a lot of different things attached to it. Why are you looking at me like that? Um, you know, <laughs> we're good. I feel like you're trying to get me to hurry. I'm looking at you. I'm anyways, (laughs) this is fine. Our listeners are used to us. (laughs) So I guess I want to know what in the, your therapist. So in Mm -hmm. your field, what do you actually deem anxiety? I know that's probably a loaded question. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I just to be clear, I am a therapist. So in my state of Massachusetts, that means I hold an LICSW. So I do independent work, but I also do coaching. And so the idea of anxiety as a diagnosis is one thing. But the other thought about anxiety is just everyday worry. So when I think about anxiety loosely in conversation with friends or like, oh, I'm so anxious about this, that can be anxiety, but not the diagnosable form of anxiety. I think mm-hmm. everybody deals with it to an extent, but when it really impacts your daily life, that's when it's more, okay, do we need to treat this under the umbrella of a diagnostic criteria or do we just kind of deal with what's going on today and how we manage it? So Bridget, how how would you... so? Obviously, because it is a loaded question, and we know so many people deal with it. If you were if you were coaching somebody, uh, how how would you deem to understand? Okay, yeah, it seems like you're expressing that you have anxiety. Like, what? How do you recognize that? I think a lot of times it shows up in the people and the clients that I work with as kind of catastrophizing or taking the worst case scenarios and kind of thinking that there's more probability or possibility to those worst case scenarios than there is to even the realistic, let alone the, the positive possibilities. And then there's um, more of a, a diagnostic, like I said, is, is this interfering with your daily life? Is this interfering with your ability to get tasks done? Is this stopping you from kind of going through your chores of the day or your tasks of the day? Is this kind of overtaking your thinking? That would be more diagnosis. But in the everyday stuff, that's what we all deal with. You know, that's more of a, okay, how do I really get through this and function differently just to be present for the people in my life and for myself? Yeah, I like what you had on your website. It really spoke to me when you're talking about juggling all the things and the overwhelm of the to-do list and just feeling like you're so overwhelmed. And for me, that's when I get that anxious feeling and that overwhelm of like, how am I possibly supposed to juggle all of these things that are under my umbrella of to-dos here? So, um, but, but I know 
I know I personally have struggled with an even deeper anxiety, which is something you touched on a little bit of when I first became a mother. Um, I had crippling feelings of losing my child of like, I would close my eyes and see these just terrible like accidents happening just constantly. Like it was to a point where I didn't want to leave the house with her. I literally wouldn't drive with her in the car. I didn't want other people to hold her because I would, I know this is so graphic, but I, I've heard other moms say it too, like have envisioned her, you know, little head hitting the concrete or something like terrible, terrible. It was crippling. And so for the moms who have asked me to ask you about stuff like that, how do they, like, if you were coaching them, what would you say? How are, what are some coping mechanisms for the kind that's just debilitating? Honestly, that's, that's an even harder question because when it's debilitating, my first response is, okay, I'm glad you're here because the first thing sure. to do is to, to reach out to somebody to, to say that, you know, normalizing therapy and conversations like this, you know, saying that, that you went through this, I'm really glad you did. I think that we all do in some aspects to say that even if it's circumstantial or a time frame or something new in our life, like becoming a new mom or a mom again, or a big move, or a new job, or those kinds of things, anxiety tends to go with it. And sometimes it can be crippling, like you're saying, and we kind of replay these things or these possibilities in our head. So the first step is to kind of normalize that a little bit and just understand that you're not the only one going through it. Talk about it. Talk to your friends. Reach out to a therapist. Get people on your, on your team. Understand that you're connected in a lot of other ways ask for those the help, you know, while you're working through it with a therapist, get somebody to drive you to that grocery store or to do that task that was debilitating to you so that you're not totally disconnecting from that outside world that you need to be able to kind of push through it. I love that you said, like, basically reading between the lines of what I what I heard there is like, look, there, there's a lot of overwhelm. So it really does come down to, you know, managing the things that are happening in our lives. And so, uh, so I know myself as a coach in my fitness program, a lot of things I try to do is, is figure out how to audit and optimize specific parts of people's lives and say, okay, cool. Like you have so many things going on, right? You need to understand, like you said, let's normalize this for a second and realize, okay, a lot of people are dealing with a lot of things, but, but how, how do you control, how do you control the things Actually, not how do you control, but how how do you focus on just the things you can control? I think I think that's always been like one of the strongest things to like speak to people, right? Would you would you agree with that? Hundred percent. What you're talking about in a therapeutic dynamic is called cognitive behavioral therapy. So ultimately, as succinct as I can frame that, it's we can't necessarily control the feelings that we have, but they just tend to show up but we can control the way that we think about them and the behaviors and thoughts that we attach to them that make us feel that they're positive or negative. So when we're talking about, okay, what part of this can we control? You can't control that overwhelmed sensation, but what you can do is sit in that, feel the feeling instead of thinking the feeling, which is something that I walk clients through how to do that specifically. And then the other thing is just to kind of try to work on changing some of those thought patterns and behaviors that we automatically tend to attach to anxiety. I'm thankful that you shared that because I just got into the personal development and just the learning how to work my mind space, you know, over a year ago. And that's something I did not realize. I did not know that, first of all, sitting with my feelings was something that would actually help me. I was always afraid to acknowledge them and actually in our last episode one of our last episodes when we talked about we talked about emotional self-care and and feelings and how when you push them down a lot of times they obviously come to the surface mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I love that you do that I love that you have that exercise but um I can walk you through it if that's helpful too to do the exercise well, actually, yeah, I think that would be great. So if somebody's listening right now, they're like, whoa, 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 like, I don't like to think about my feelings. I don't like to think about the painful things. How is that going to help me? Because I know for me, I used to think that would just put me into a downward spiral. So what would you say 
what would be the first step to sitting in your feelings? Right. I think like you're saying, we often, you know, try to compartmentalize or put something on a shelf because it's like, I don't have time for that. You know, we talked Mm -hmm. about how busy and chaotic everybody's lives are these days. Everybody's multitasking and managing more than one thing at a time. So feelings take a back burner. You know, there's this old Buddhist saying that everybody should meditate for 20 minutes a day unless you don't have time and then you should meditate for an hour, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea of that is when we need it most, we put ourselves on the back burner and that's the priority here. So self-care is a huge topic of that. But sitting with your feelings as a first step to understand what aspects of self-care you could benefit from is another thing. So I'm sorry, guys. No, I you are trouble. like... Trust me, I do that like almost every episode. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I shut off my work phone and didn't shut off my personal phone. So I'm not. Now I forget my train of thought too. You said, so sitting with your feelings. Okay. Yeah. So, so self-care is a big piece of that, but then sitting with your feelings is a whole nother aspect of that. And I think what I, it seems kind of basic, but it's really not. We tend to feel or excuse me, we tend to think our feelings and what we want to do is feel them. So the first step of that is just to kind of sit and think in yourself. It's really windy. I'll say that when? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'll back you up again. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you don't have to. It's fine. It's life. <laughs> so when we're sitting with our, our feelings, the way that we feel them is to kind of take the narrative storytelling mode away from that. So typically it's like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed. I have this and this and this to do. And this is the things that could go wrong. And I'm really anxious about that. And what about this? And we go through this story of what ifs and attach some of our thoughts about ourselves to that. Like, oh, if only I could do better at this. And we beat ourselves up in the way that we're thinking about it. And we kind of tend to do that when we have a feeling that feels really negative. But what are we actually feeling in our physical self is how you actually feel your feelings. So taking the story away from that, we can sit and say, okay, my chest is a little bit heavy. I'm sweating a little bit. My heart is racing. My hands are clenched. I'm frowning. I feel tightness in my jaw and my shoulders, like literally going through and naming what's going on in your physical self when you feel that sensation or when you start to go down that path. And then as it starts to come back, because it will, it's our nature to kind of attach those thoughts to it. You recenter yourself in your body by taking a breath or by going back through head to toe and kind of naming what's going on in your body. Then you notice it shifting. You notice it moving as you think about it differently. You can feel the release of the tension in your chest. So you can say, oh, that's starting to go away or I'm starting to feel tears on my face. My hands are loosening and you're noticing it leave your body at the same time. Then when it's gone, what you've done essentially there is a basic form of self-care and grounding techniques. You're grounding your feelings in your physical self and taking them out of your thought. So that helps us to make our thoughts more rational. Feelings by nature are pretty irrational. And when we attach thought to them, the thoughts become irrational too. So the idea there is to take those big emotions and bring them down a notch so that when you start talking and thinking about them, it's a different kind of thought. It's a different kind of behavior or conversation. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, So I would ask you, do you have any experience with, uh, with almost like, focusing on like changing your state from like a postural perspective and, and, and modeling, modeling the physical state of who, who, and like what you want to act like. Can you give me an example of what you mean? So like, um, so, so for instance, me and John went to like a, a Tony Robbins conference and he, he had us do something really interesting. He said, he said, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to just like in the saddest, most unconfident voice ever, I want you to just say, hi, I'm so-and-so, right? Hi, I'm Chris. <laughs> and then, and then he, he asked us to basically stop and say like, where is your body? Guarantee your shoulders are rounded forward. You are, you are talking in a low tone. Like there's so many things you're physically doing with your body and your physical state that is showing like you're, you're unconfident, you're depressed, all those things. So basically you trick your body into like, and I used to do this before I got on uncomfortable phone calls and things like I would actually like shoulder blades back, chest out, like really focus on how I was going to speak and everything and almost like trick myself into being the version of me that I wanted to be or perform as rather. 
Yes, I hear you. There's two ways that I do this and they're very different from each other. <laughs> so one of the ways is pretty much what you're saying. I, it's kind of taking an inventory of your physical self. You know, a lot of people do what's called progressive muscle relaxation or the deep breathing, box breathing exercises, those kinds of grounding techniques to, again, feel and center your physical self. And that can be really helpful with any big emotion, you know, before a big meeting, before a, a nervous phone call, you know, before a big conversation with a spouse, or when you're frustrated with a child, or, you know, the baby isn't latching, you know, from all kinds of different perspectives, you can use all of those grounding techniques. The other way that I use it is more concrete in relationships. I do a lot of couples work and there's, this can be, you know, three different, <laughs> three different conversations in itself. Yeah. We could talk for hours in any direction on, but the one thing that I say is we try to connect all the time with each other. We do what's called, you know, bids for attention. John Gottman is a couples therapist who constantly talks about connecting through communication. And a lot of this is in that regard. But when somebody, for example, if, if, um, my husband walks in the door at the end of the day and I'm sitting at the sink doing dishes and I'm like entrenched in making dinner and the kids are all over the place and life is kind of just happening all around me. Sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Wildly shaking our heads. <laughs> so if I'm doing that and kind of entrenched in life and my husband comes in the door at the end of work, I have a choice there. I can choose to connect with him and turn toward him. I can turn away, which feels somewhat neutral, or I can turn against. And in that moment, what that looks like is either continuing about my day and continuing to do dishes. Oh, he knows I'm busy. He knows I'm doing all this stuff. I'm just stressed. I'm going to carry on and get this done. That's turning away. That's, you know, taking that bid for connection and throwing it in the trash and being like, whatever, this is my life and we're living parallel lives. Or we can take that moment and, hey, how you doing? What's up? Kind of over your shoulder, like a little bit neutral. Or we can stop, dry our hands, walk over and say, hey, I'm glad you're home and welcome them into our lives and that space. And that reconnection is really just a matter of taking what you're saying that physical self and really using that to connect with the people in our lives. And we can do that with kids too. We can show them their emotion that they're showing us. If your child, for example, is, you know, stomping around the house and I'm fine, you know, stomping and angry and talking, help us, help us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can get down to them and be like, this is what your face looks like. Or be like, Hey, come here. Let's go to a mirror. Look at this. You know, what is, mm. what's going on? You know, what is the scrunching your face and the shrilled and just kind of what you're saying and recognizing how your body attaches to your feelings. And you can do that at a young age, but we can also do that as adults. Right. So that same scenario, you, I'm sitting on the couch this time my husband comes through the door drops his bag slams the door stomps over the fridge he had a bad day at work it's very clear to everybody mm -hmm. involved mm -hmm. maybe he hasn't had that time to psychologically physically self-soothe or do some self-care to leave that at work and he brings it home you know our goal is to be like hey change that we don't want that here but right, we have right. those options of doing that we can say wow what's your problem right that's the turning away <laughs> we could say what's wrong that feels connecting, but it's really not. That's that neutral path to be like, what's wrong? Well, it's like that passing a stranger on the street. Hey, how are you? Nobody really wants an answer to that. Or the answer is, I'm fine. Nothing. It's fine. Right? But then beyond that, it could be, hey, I noticed you dropped your bag. Use your physical senses. Again, going back to that. I noticed you dropped your bag. I noticed you're kind of furrowed in your brow. You're not making eye contact with me. What happened? What's up? How can I help? that's that turning toward that connection and you're still always going back to that physical self to to make it more concrete and relatable they can't say nothing's wrong because you've just told them how they're presenting so it's more about this is what's happening it's undeniable this is how you're presenting and this is how it's being received let's do this together so there's that connection piece at the end that's fascinating. Yeah, that's like it's like simple, but not like that's not something I've ever really yeah. thought about. Because I, I mean, I'm guilty of all forms of 100 connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depending, no, sometimes I go running for a hug because it's been such a tough day that I'm like, please, thank God you're home. Please, everyone, hold me. Yeah. But then some days I'm really aggravated because maybe he's running late or I'm just having such a tough time that yeah, I don't even turn. When he walks in, like, hey, yeah, cool. Here, help me with the kids. Yeah. So that's very. Mm -hmm. that's so, something super intriguing uh, that I thought about when you were when you were saying that that 
hopefully goes along with it was I watched a TED talk one time and this guy was talking about how how important connection is to the point where he started a he started a habit where he would walk in the door and of course he would make sure he was done with all of his conversations and everything. He would walk in his door and his rules were he would greet his family like he hadn't seen them in a month. Mm-hmm. Right? And he would for the first 15 minutes do nothing to um I'm trying to think of the word, but nothing to, to correct, right? Nothing to correct. Like, Hey, you could have done this better or Hey, why didn't you do this or whatever? Mm -hmm. Just like really showing that love and connection. And I mean, he did a Ted talk on it. I I think we'll have to like find the actual source there, but, (laughs) uh, but yeah, it was, it was really fascinating. So I thought of that when you were talking about that, because from the other perspective, it's like, we have a job to do too. Whoever is coming into that situation also has, has, you know, a process that they can learn. Absolutely. And I think that that's a good thing to touch on that none of this is some person's ownership or blame or fault. It's all about kind of owning what's ours, working through it and trying to connect through it. But what you're saying is right. You know, I think there's another, another person that I listen to that says they smile for six seconds before they even open the door or walk through the hall or whatever that is to reconnect, just smile. Even if you've had a bad day, it's again, that physical connection to your body that says, okay, you know, fake it till I make it or at least present to frame the rest of the day. Before we went to the Tony Robbins thing, I would probably have heard these things and been like, okay, but how is that going to, but I, I can say I was a doubter before and your posture and the smiling and everything really does change. It changes your state. It's kind of hard to come in and yell at somebody if you have a genuine smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Unless you're really yeah. passive aggressive. Well, that, that's true. Well, and I d- that just made me think too, when I was in college, I took this elective class and it was, it was a yoga No, it was like a religion class or something. But anyways, the guy had us do laughter yoga mm-hmm. And he would talk about how laughing was contagious and it actually released all these hormones and stuff. And so for a while, I can remember being like really mad in traffic because I don't know, I'm a small person that has road rage <laughs> and I'll be really mad in traffic and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to laugh. And I would just start, I probably looked like a psycho <laughs> laughing and it really did, it really did release something. It really did yeah. change my state and improve my mood. So I'm all for this whole Yeah, no, thing. it's not- <laughs> It reminds me of a, a professor that told us in school the same thing. If you're frustrated or feeling down, holding a pencil between your lips is the same physical muscles as smiling. So even oh. if you feel like you can't get yourself to smile, hold a pencil in your mouth or a pen in your mouth, and it creates that same fake effect to get you going. Wow. That's so interesting. Sometimes. Our bodies, our minds, our bodies are so complex. Yeah. Yes. Or sticking your tongue out is another one. You can't not, you know. Like in a goofy way. <laughs> Or just doing it, just sticking your tongue. Out. You just, do it right now. You'll feel, you'll feel right. You can't not smile or laugh. Yeah. Or everybody listening right now is sticking out their tongue. I think. No, yeah. That's. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think. See, this, I'm happier so, already. Yeah. I know. Right. So. So how do we, um, to to kind of tie, like I think that's a form of self care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of tie it back to anxiety. And self care. What uh, what specific things um, can can you share with the audience? Oh my goodness, so much. I think self care. I, I tell my clients all the time. I'm probably slipping if I don't at least mention as a side note self care in any of my sessions. It's yeah. I constantly harp on it, and I think it's. I hope it's for good reason. And I think a lot of people after they change their mindset about it really dive in. So when I say self care. A lot of people jump right to exercise, meditation, yoga, all wonderful things. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. But self-care is so much broader than those things. And I love that self-care has become part of pop culture even. It's talked about all the time in so many different ways. But with that also comes so many different definitions. Mm -hmm. And so I, the first thing I do with clients is define it. The way that I define it is something planned and intentional that brings you at least a little bit of joy while you're doing it and leaves you a a little bit rejuvenated, if not more so, when it's complete. 
if it doesn't check those boxes, it's no longer self-care. So going back to the example of exercise, meditation, and yoga, you know, if I have somebody that's like, oh, I'm going to exercise every day, I get up at five, it's part of my routine, I love it, feels good, but last night the baby was up five times and I'm horrible at sleep and I'm waking up and I'm dreading it, even though you planned and intended to do that for yourself, the joy is gone. It's more of a dread. The need connection is no longer there. What you might need is sleep. But there's kind of this push. So it ends up being more of a box to check a chore than it would be self care. Is it still wonderful for you? Yeah, for a lot of reasons. But it's not the self care that your body needed for that day. So mm. the, the practice that we first put into place to figure out what those self care needs are is to take inventory again. So in the morning, at night, whenever you can connect it to your daily routine, it's easier to become habitual about it. So I ask the people I work with, what are you doing in the morning? Okay, while you're brushing your teeth, think about it. Think about how you slept last night. Think about the day you have ahead, what you have planned, and where you have time to plan something else. So when you wake up in the morning, if you say, you know, I didn't sleep good, where can you take a 20 minute nap? Where can you do a meditation that would be rejuvenating? Where can you fit in social self care and call a friend and just reconnect or go out or, you know, I could go on and on. But yeah. I love yeah I love the variety there mm -hmm. because I feel like so many people feel boxed in by creating routines and habits and behaviors and things like that. And so I love I love the twist on saying like yes, exercise is self-care. Yes, meditation is self-care, breath work, all that stuff is, but but you have to literally take an audit of your body and what you need and then kind of plug the pieces in there. I yeah, that's that's really unique to me. Cool. Yeah, I think it's about giving yourself that permission to speak to your needs, right? There's a total difference between needs and desires. And basic needs, you know, sleep, food, exercise, all those things, physical connection, they're all part of it. So people are surprised when I say maybe your self care is sitting for five minutes and taking a deep breath of your coffee in the morning before the chaos ensues. Maybe your self care is, you know, laying in bed for five minutes before you fall asleep and thinking about all the ways that you can show gratitude. Maybe it's connecting with a friend because you're feeling isolated or feeling sad or lonely. And I think sometimes it can be in small ways. But my encouragement is do something, some form of self care every single day. And people are daunted by that until they hear that definition and get those hard and fast examples. And then I also encourage bigger ways at least weekly, maybe that's a night out with friends, maybe that's a date night, maybe that's um, going to the gym for that class that you've been wanting to take or something along those lines. But yeah, the time doesn't need to be the, the crunch there. I appreciate that because what you said about it being becoming daunting, I know that so many who oppose, they think they oppose self-care because, you know, you see every opinion on the internet. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people like, oh, self-care, self-care. Like, I don't have time for self-care. I don't have time to take care of myself. Like, it's all about my kids. I'm busy, yada, yada. So I love that you almost are offering grace to us in mm -hmm. the sense of, you know, you need self-care, but maybe this is not your self-care today because of, like you said, the baby was up all night. So like, you're not, like you said, boxed in. It's not, yeah. it, it's all, it's not as overwhelming to know, like, as long as you're checking a box to bring yourself joy, it doesn't have to be this daunting hour long exercise. If that's not what is going to fill you up that day. Right. I mean, it could be going to get your hair done, going to get your nails. Oh, yes, that is done. totally self-care. <laughs> yeah, for you, that kind of rejuvenates you and lets you feel like you again. And to connect this to anxiety again, I think part of that is like you're saying, we have all these expectations of ourselves. We have these mandates that we put on ourselves, this master to-do list that we walk around carrying. And so many times self-care becomes just another thing on that list. And mm -hmm. so I want to remove it from that list and give you that kind of full cup to tackle that. It changes the face of so many things. Self-care just gives you this whole different perspective. It keeps small things small. It gives you that ability to, you know, wipe off your hands and go greet your husband at the door because you, you have it in you to not just carry on and push through. And so that connects to anxiety because you have that wherewithal to say, okay, this is what I need. This is okay to ask for it and lets you do that in a guilt-free way. The other big part of self-care, I think 
especially as parents, we often feel guilt attached when we take care of ourselves first. But there's all these cliches with that too. And they're out there for a reason, right? Put your own mask on first, fill your mm-hmm. own cup. All of these things that say you have to take care of you. And the reason, you know, self-care is not selfish. Self-care allows mm-hmm. you to be more of you, to have more to give, you know, it's Amen. opposite. Amen. Yeah. So we end up driving those points home to deal with anxiety too, to change the way that you're thinking about self-care so that there's less guilt attached to doing it. When you start doing it, it changes your mood. Those actions connected to those thoughts also help to dissipate just that overlying anxiety. The other thing that I mentioned was expectations. So we have all these expectations on ourselves. Going back to this idea of dishes, uh, maybe my sink is full right now. I don't know, but it's on my brain. (laughs) 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 If we have this sink full of dishes and we're getting nervous because it's like, oh my goodness, I'm such a terrible housekeeper. And we go down that path of like, woe is me. I'm the worst at everything, you know, and that's anxiety speaking to us. That's telling us, you know, we're the worst. We're going down this rabbit hole. We're catastrophizing, make everything, you know, as bad as it can be just because there's a full sink of dishes. Mm -hmm. We have this master to-do list, right? So the more we can set up expectations of ourselves, just in a general scheme, even if we're not a planner, but to say, okay, you know what? I know I have this busy week. This goes back to inventory, right? Not just in your day, but in your week ahead, you know, my husband's at work late this night. I know the kids have this activity going on, or I know that I'm going to be stressed out because I have A, B, and C this this day. So I know that the dishes are going to pile up. Something's got to give. So I'm going to let the dishes pile up because I also know I have a gap in time on Friday. I can take care of, you know, three sinkfuls of dishes. We'll have enough spoons to make us through, right? Mm-hmm. So we just go for it. But now when I walk by that sink and see the dishes pile up, I don't have to face it with that same level of anxiety that I would if I didn't have that plan to manage it. So it's also about giving yourself this set of expectations that's workable. I love the balance there because what's what's really funny is we all know that we need to manage our time better, but then there is an extreme to that. There is like a, when you create too much structure in your life, uh, one, things can become monotonous and two, you don't have enough spontaneity and enough flexibility to actually uh, like feel like you're not stressing yourself out by allowing things to come in. And so for someone like me, who is, who is very like type A structured and all that, mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful for me to kind of soak in that and understand that, you know, while structure is important, there is a level of spontaneity and you have to realize that that is, that that is self-care in, in making those small things small like you said, so I love I love that balance. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the ultimate goal? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. yes. <laughs> That's actually that reminds me of Chris does something with his clients, and he did it with me recently, where he had me kind of do a brain dump of what I needed to get done, and then number each like this needs to be done today, this needs to be done tomorrow, or this can wait three plus days. And when I did that, kind of similar to what you're saying it really rewired my brain to like, yes, laundry was still overflowing, but I knew it didn't have to be done today because these other tasks were more important today Mm -hmm. and that I could do it tomorrow. And so suddenly I didn't feel like a failure when I went to bed and the laundry was still piled up because I knew that that was not on my list today because I did my other priorities today. So exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's so weird because that seems like such a, like I think sometimes we're looking for big grandiose answers to our issues and then sometimes it's always simple. so simple just implementation yeah but yeah it's crazy it's yeah. always, always so simple so yeah. self-care tends to be the first line of defense but what you're saying there is that you're also working your thinking in that process and that's really the second tangibles that i work with when dealing with anxiety especially um with parents and moms and just couples in life you know yeah the thinking about it is tricky. And we've talked about how people tend to go down the rabbit hole or catastrophize or think of worst case scenarios. And the other thing that I do with people is to say, okay, so if I have somebody that says, you know, I'm nervous to drive, I'll say why. And they'll tell me, you know, I'll get in the car and 
I'll miss a sign and I'll get into an accident. I'll hurt somebody. You know, I might run up on the sidewalk and all of a sudden, you know, everybody's dead in the story, right? Like the worst case scenarios happen, horrible things. There's blood everywhere. It's a mess. Of course, there's nerves that go with that. And my response is, okay, what if you get in the car and a cop pulls you over to give you a trophy because you're the best driver that they've ever seen and people line the streets clapping because they've never seen somebody drive like you and you get to where you're going safely and when you get there everybody cheers because it's like of course you're wonderful everything is great and they're like either laughing or looking at me like I have five heads. Right. <laughs> so, it's just a different extreme. Right. And I think yeah. the, the, the challenge with anxiety is it, it allows us to believe that that negative extreme is way more possible than that positive extreme. So one of the ways that you combat that is to, to tell yourself that positive story, recognize how ridiculous it is, and then say, oh, if this is ridiculous, then so is my example. Mm -hmm. So is my thought process, knowing that reality often lies somewhere in the middle. The other hard and fast tangible way that you can do it is with facts. So we talked about um, anxiety kind of pulling out the irrational thought. So to combat that with fact is another line of defense. We have always gotten to where we're supposed to go safely. We've never been in an accident. We took driver's ed. We passed the driver's test. We've never had complaints with other people in the car. You know, going through that list of these are the hard, fast facts of the situation can combat that negative extreme too. Yeah, gosh, you're you're bringing it, Bridget. We're, we're just soaking it, it up like a sponge right now. I yeah. think my head like hurts from like nodding the whole time. I know. We're just like, yeah, yeah, killing it. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal stuff. I love I love the balance. I love I love the small things. You know, continuing to be small. Uh, I think I think the most important thing for people to realize when anxiety does strike is you're right. You're just overthinking it. You are overthinking it and an exercise to show the, you know, high end extreme and the low end extreme, I think is a really, really great way to just make people see like, Oh, wow. You're right. Both, both are crazy, but <laughs> regardless, I, if, if I'm going to look at any extreme, I need, I need to look at an extreme that actually like, I don't know, serves me in some way. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's better than how you just usually tell me just trust life. Just trust life. Well, so chill out. Just trust I'm, life. Just get over it. Uh, so yeah, I'm a numbers guy, right? So mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, okay, well, so the odds are with us here, babe. Like you really shouldn't be nervous about, about, you know, our daughter being on a school bus or whatever. The odds are with us. There's a lot of school buses that go around and, you know, it's not a, a far away, you know, drive and all that stuff. So I tend to kind of bring the practical side into it, which it doesn't always help well, someone. But yeah, anxious. but then the next day I got this, uh, I saw oh, on the geez. news, this school bus <laughs> right. that completely like tipped over and stuff. I was like, see? That's why I don't watch the news. I don't. My dad sent it to me, but. Yeah. So there's yeah. a few things you just mentioned there that would, you know, bring great points to a therapy session. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and one is that, you know, when you're trying as a partner to be there in a marriage or, or a special relationship of any kind, and somebody is dealing with anxiety, what you're describing yourself as, Chris, is this type A personality. I'm a facts guy. I'm a numbers guy. You know, probability makes sense to me, all of those things. Yep. And that's not rare. I mean, we there's, again, the idea that we attract opposites on purpose so to balance ourselves. It is, again, about that balance. So when you're looking to be there for somebody dealing with anxiety, the first line of defense go back to the grounding techniques. You don't get to change how somebody feels. And that's mm. tough lesson for people. It's tough to sit in because we want to help. We want to fix each other. We want to be there. And that's part of wanting to connect. But in order to do that, we have to sit with that person in their emotion. So if you really want to do something tangible to help, say, how does that emotion feel in your body? You know, how can I help you through this? Because I'm seeing, again, go back to what you're seeing physically. I'm seeing those nerves in your body. I see you shaking. I see um, tears coming from your eyes. I feel that scrunch in your face. What's going on for you and your thoughts? Let's talk about it, right? Let them, you're not going to be their therapist, but you can be a sounding board. You know, don't be the receptacle for their emotions, but be that strainer to help them kind of help it through. I like that. Dang, I like her. She, see, she's killer. See, that I appreciate that. So our communication has gotten a lot better over the years as we get closer because he did used to kind of just shut down stuff that he thought was ridiculous. And then, you know, that obviously would make me feel stupid or feel bad about, you know, I don't know, just the, that he didn't get why I was being so emotional. Mm -hmm. um, he's a lot better now. 
Well, she has but, this thing called lane anxiety, right? So lane anxiety. So oh, when when really? we're driving, really? if I'm in the fast lane and we're like five miles from the exit, she's like, get over, get over. No, I we're don't. Gonna miss, it's not that we're bad. We're going to miss it. <laughs> like, no, it's so like when there I can are some see things the where I'm exit. Like, Come on, dude. Yes. He waits. You're kinds of no, people, yeah. right? <laughs> and, I can see the exit. It's like a mile. Yes. And first of all, he's not... He's one who has missed our exits plenty of times and I it drives have. me insane. So we'll be like a mile or I can see the exit. I'm like, why don't you just get in the exit lane? Why do you want to rush it? Early last on in our marriage, I would take full advantage of that. Oh, and I, yeah. I mean, I'd wait till the last minute and just stress me out so bad. I'm not that bad now, but oh, and you're better now about dealing. It, yes. It's not always anxiety. Sometimes I am just more emotional. Probably a lot yeah. of it because I'm a female. A lot of it because I did suffer from postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, all these things. So I'm definitely the emotional one. But I will say, to, to go back to the grounding exercises, those are some things that we implement into our own lives. So we we take time to get away and breathe. You know, if, if our kids are driving us up a wall, you know, I know a coping mechanism Jonna uses a lot. She'll just go on the porch. She'll get some fresh air. I hide. And like, mm-hmm. we will literally just like lock ourselves outside of the house yeah. <laughs> and just let the kids in there and just freak out for a sec because yeah. we just can't take it. And I think you're dead right when it comes to the grounding exercises, like the science behind it of literally taking your body from a fight or flight place into a parasympathetic place where you're like, cool, I'm, I'm designed to rest and digest and like, you know, just breathe and relax. Like, our society moves so fast, right? So many things move so quickly. So uh, can you speak to the importance of just like slowing time down for a second as a grounding mechanism? Or how to do it when the kids yeah, are yeah. banging on the door please, and you're trying please. to catch your breath? <laughs> Hide chocolate in your laundry room. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find it. They'll find it. They're animals. They will. Oh, they're barbarians. I joke, but in all seriousness, I have a friend who does that and we hid really? in her laundry room and had That's chocolate perfect. while the kids were chaos. <laughs> Jonna, did, Jonna did have some wine in her closet I knew here. you were going to tell oh that. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious. I took a picture, put it on our story and everything. I did. Oh, One time funny. I did. I hid out and I had a glass of wine in the closet and I feel no remorse about it. You shouldn't. You know, I think that's exactly what we're talking about is creating that space for yourself. And I think it's tricky. I think that it's totally specific to each person and relationship and what speaks their needs. But I think people find a challenge and anxiety to speak to their needs. And all of it is so connected to that. You know, what you're saying about the science of it all. I'm, I have, (laughs) I work in theory, right? Most of therapy is theory, but whenever I can bring this science behind it, it's helpful because I have a prove it type of personality on top of that. And what you're doing is taking inventory all day long when you wake up and think about those things, create that space for yourself, create that space in the, in the chaos. I tell people even in the, in the midst of a, th- a heavy meeting, you know, I work with couples again, some of it doesn't work out if you're in the middle of a divorce mediation or something really tragic and, and traumatizing. Sometimes you can still create that space for yourself. You can say, can I have a glass of water? You can say, I have to go to the bathroom. You can do these things to create that minute where you can just check in with your physical self and say, okay, how do I work it through? And then go back to this with a different mind. It comes up in couples and connection and their communication. We get heated with each other. We get, you know, we misfire and we misconnect and we yell, right? We get argumentative or we walk away and sometimes we throw up a wall and say, I'm not dealing with this right now and walk away and stonewall. Again, a whole nother topic. (laughs) So we could go down a lot. (laughs) But in those moments, you can create space in a healthy way with your partner and say, listen, my emotions are really high right now. And this conversation and you are important to me, but I need to take a few minutes to regroup. And then you go do something for yourself. You splash water on your face. You create that moment. You, you find that space in the moment that you're in. So it's also working with this mindfulness. And again, that takes effort. That takes time. That takes you know consciousness. And you need self-care to be able to do those things. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. Gosh. Fantastic stuff. Fascinating. Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Are you trying to think? I mean, 
if if people could see me right now, my shoulder blades are back, my hands are on my hips. I'm I'm power posing right now. Yeah. yeah. I am power posing. Yeah, man. I just feel like there's so many different ways we could go. Like I want to talk to you again. I, I want you to do yeah, Bridget an will be back. air counseling session <laughs> with us. Because we think we've got a pretty good marriage, but obviously like you know, there's always room for oh, yeah. learning and I court. say the healthiest people can still benefit from having that 100%. other eyes. Yeah. Those that I need you to tell Chris all the things he does wrong. Yeah, Jonna is <laughs> yeah, she's got some issues. <laughs> I definitely yeah. have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well I, what's what's funny is it's like each kid, each number of kids if that makes sense, brings a different season of life and brings different struggles. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just like the difference from one to two to three, and we're going to see what four brings and everything. It, it really is difficult. So I think just kind of based on the things you're saying of creating space for yourself and communicating with each other. And I love, I love the methods that you're giving. I'm, we're definitely going to use it on our four-year-old for sure. I'll definitely use it on my 31-year-old here. <laughs> and <laughs> like literally – I just think it's incredible to be like, look, like you look upset. Like here's here's what I see. Um, how can I help? Because mm-hmm. I am a very like systems guy. Like you have to tell me, hey, like, what process? Fix do you, your face. What process do <laughs> do I need to take to help you get to this result? And so I love that. I'm, okay, I'm totally gonna use serious that. Question, like that was a serious. No, I have statement. A ser- no, but I have a question because I feel like there are some men, maybe women too, probably that. Even like a while ago, I feel like if I would have went to Chris like, hey, you slammed your bag. You look like this, this and this. He might just like kind of look like me like, why are you trying to coach me or something? You know what I mean? I feel like there's men out there who may not and women. There's people out there who may be like, okay, yeah, this is just how my face looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? How do you, what if somebody does respond in that kind of way? In that negative way? Yeah. Yeah. You hear it. You absorb it and you can reflect that too. Be, you can say, you know, clearly that wasn't my intent, but I guess that that was the impact. So I apologize for that. And I'm here mm-hmm. if you want to talk about it. You know, I think we also forget what intent versus impact is. And we hear a lot of, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, or I'm sorry for what you're dealing with, but there's no ownership in that. Mm-hmm. And intent and in impact are very different. You know, I, I like to give this example. If I have the intention to go have some fun with my husband and we go outside and play Frisbee, the intent is to connect and be playful and get some fresh air and whatever else. But I picked up the Frisbee and there's water on it and my hand slips and it hits him in the nose and he's gushing blood everywhere, right? The impact is pain and suffering, even though the intent was to go have fun. Do I say, oh, didn't mean to walk it off, you know, suck it up, go get some tissues. Let's, let's do this thing. No, I would run over to him and, you know, I need an ice pack. Like, what do we do here? Are you okay? And we connect. I'm so sorry that happened is probably the first thing out of my mouth. Or I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Right. That's usually like defensive, but it doesn't stop the impact. So we apologize for the impact, even if it wasn't our intent. Mm. So in those moments, bringing it back to feelings, you apologize for your hand in it. If you didn't exist, if you didn't say these things, they might not feel that way. So you can own that. It doesn't mean you're at fault. It doesn't mean somebody's right and somebody else is wrong. It's just saying, this is my part in it. And I'm taking ownership of that. And it's going back and forth with a empathetic listening and response style. But keep keep at it but also give space if they're not ready to talk about it they might need to do some self-care some self-soothing to be able to have that conversation but you addressing that is just saying i'm here for it when you're ready hmm. that's good great stuff good. yeah so what is one i like to ask this question what is one question that you would have hoped that we would have asked you during this episode that we haven't covered can you think of anything Oh my goodness! I'm loaded, loaded. <laughs> very loaded, very. Or on the based, spot. or based on what we're talking about, is there something else that yeah. you would like to add that you really feel like is beneficial? I think when I'm working with people, whether it's therapy or coaching or whatever aspect, people like to way, walk away with a plan. They want tangible. Mm. They want a list to do or homework or something like that, and. I think that's great. Sometimes I don't like it to be so accountable that they're nervous to come back, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I also like to hand people, okay, this is where you start. And so the first line is always going to say, okay, start with self-care. Start right now in this moment. What's one thing that you can do for yourself today? 
So that would be the first thing. The second thing is just to think about how you're thinking. <laughs> and when you recognize, you know, from the second we wake up in the mo morning, excuse me, our bodies are kind of geared towards this thought process of, oh, I wish I had five more minutes to sleep mm -hmm. or oh, I wish I picked out my clothes or I look terrible in this. Our brains just automatically go to the negative. So notice how frequently you're doing that. Recognizing it is the first step. Changing it is the second. You know, replacing it is the third. So stopping it is changing it, right? So in those moments, just start by recognizing those thoughts. The end of the day, one small thing that you can do is to challenge yourself to find the gratitude in your day. Gratitude is another one of these things that it's like that physical rebuild. It changes the synapses in your brain to rewire your thinking to not jump to the negative. So when you're thinking about these are th three things that I'm grateful for for the day, you know, if you're laying in your bed, it might be warmth, comfort, the person next to you, those basic grabs. The ultimate goal would be to think about the worst part of your day and find the gratitude in it work for that silver lining. That's where the work is. And so those are basic tangibles that everybody can do, no matter what you're facing. And then to keep it going with those grounding techniques, working those in with the expectations, with connections, that all comes with time. But those three walk away tangibles are something that everybody can grab. Drop the mic, Bridget. Drop the mic. <laughs> Killed it. I love it. Oh man, I love it. Yeah. Gosh, I I sincerely grew myself with the things you share with us today. Awesome. Yeah, that that's so great. I literally do feel like we almost had an on-air therapy session, which I really would think that Yeah, that, John that, needed that for sure. Stupid. Kidding, that would I'm really kidding. be cool to do like an yeah. on-air, like I mean, we're already putting all of our business out on this podcast anyway. So yeah, why we? not? <laughs> go deeper Neo, yeah. so okay so now that everybody heard this and they're feeling like all jazzed up like we are where can they find you you can find me online i have a website called um bridge to better or excuse me i just that's <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> backing it up a little bit uh, bridge to healthy self is my website and on there, you can find my email and phone number. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. I, I get questions from therapists, too. You know, how do I do this? Because my practice, the other thing that's fun to note is 100% online. And the way that mm -hmm. I incorporate self-care because I believe in it so much is I also um, do self-care sessions, which I label as such. And when we do that, I do therapy, but we do it at a park bench or we do it while going for a walk or we do it to feed the ducks or whatever that looks like for that person, how they want to incorporate their self-care for the day. And we do therapy during it or coaching during it. And it brings that other layer. So the one fun thing is I get to do counseling in all of Massachusetts by doing it web-based and I get to do coaching across the U S by doing it web-based. So obviously those self-care sessions are in person, but the rest of it, I can connect with people all over the U S. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for uh, sharing all of your wisdom with our audience today. Happy yeah. to. You guys are fun. It's good conversation. Oh, good. 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 Wait, oh, Chris, you are fun. No, what? Chris doesn't think he's yeah, fun. Nobody I, mean, I don't calls really me think he's fun. fun I like this lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just me. If it was you, just you, it would not be fun. Yeah. Well, it's probably the iced coffee. I don't. I don't always do coffee. So. Coffee yeah, I jazzed fun. him up beforehand. She she did a little bit. So maybe maybe I'm on the fun side right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're fun already. Just iced coffee while it's snowing outside, right? So there you go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We live <laughs> life <go>. dangerous. <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, okay. cool. Well, thanks again for being on the show, Bridget. And uh, we will look forward to having you back sometime soon. I look forward to it too. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If this episode with Bridget brought you value like it did us, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody you know who suffers from maybe anxiety or just everyday overwhelm and may benefit from some of the solid coping mechanisms and self-care tips that Bridget offered today. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.